0: If, out of all my picks I've, um, that I've made, like, I would never succumb you all to a horrible movie just for the sake of it being a horrible, horrible movie. All
1: right. We're going to, like,
0: just put that in writing real quick. <laughs> we're, uh, uh, by the way, yeah, in four months, we're watching Campbell Holocaust. So get yeah, ready. I'm, we will, we
1: oh, will, don't look it up. Uh, I will, uh, Pull a Nathan and come to your house and murder you if you do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jingle bells, deck the halls, and fuck Hitler. Welcome to the all bad takes Christmas episode, hosted this week by the jolliest guy around, me. Nathan Ludahl. This week, I am joined by my patient and courteous elves, Josh Ryerson. Did you say ningle bells? Yeah, I say ningle bells. Well, we're just going to go with it still. Delane Cunningham.
2: Please help me. I'm in a hostage situation. I'm being held against my will and forced to do this podcast.
0: <laughs> Indeed, you are. <laughs> and Brian Stevenson.
1: Ho, ho, ho. Welcome to the only podcast where nobody will listen to it—the first podcast they're to have negative viewers.
2: There are definitely yeah,
0: we we owe the world
1: viewers now.
0: <laughs> Look, I think I think no matter what, after this, there's certain there, there's one or two ways this is going to go. One, people are just going to continue just ignoring us, which is perfectly fine. We you know, it's a good excuse to get together and like talk about movies and stuff, or. There's such notoriety for the subject matter and the month that we're doing it that they're like, oh, these uh, weird people decided to watch this movie for the Christmas episode. All right, ladies and germophiles, uh, there's been another month, so I am curious what everybody's been doing, watching, seeing.
2: It's a germophile.
0: Hmm? Is this someone who
2: likes germs?
0: (laughs) Would you like to know... (laughs) <laughs> <Good> girl. <laughs> well that's going you, uh, in the final uh, cut. I hope <laughs> Oh. Good, how dare you assume man.
1: the gender of my germs
0: yeah everybody all, all four people that listen to this I apologize ahead of time at least this um, episode four
1: that's shooting high don't you think Brian's like I'm not I did this and I'm not even gonna listen to it
0: Brian Brian's like I'm not two- listening now <laughs> What what have you been indulging in this past month? Uh,
3: been pretty scattered. Uh, a little bit ago, I had uh, COVID, and I still really found myself not watching as much. Tell uh, even tell the people how you got COVID. I don't know. I mean, it happened when I was on when I was went to Portland. Uh, it either happened. The only place I don't think I got COVID was in the theater when I saw Anatomy of a Fall. Because that was the most uh, no one empty space that I was for the entire trip. He, he's, uh,
0: he's leaving out that he went to an 80s party dressed as Guillermo El Toro. Uh,
3: everyone thought I was Mr. Tumnus. Yeah, I, I did that. And then uh, I came back. I got sick. and Or I came back. I was sick. And I was like, okay, well, at least I'll maybe watch some movies. So I let's see.
2: Were you sick with COVID? You were like, time to watch Come and See. Like, <laughs> no. Oh
1: God.
3: no. Uh, That's your chicken noodle
0: soup
1: right there. I can just imagine dead Brian on the <laughs> bed, like eyes glazed over as the movie is yeah. happening. Like, this is my life now.
2: By the end of it, Brian looks, has the same expression as the kid. He's just like, oh. No
1: more, please. (laughs) Just super visceral. Oh,
2: sorry. Wait,
1: for those who are just listening to the podcast, Brian has aged 80 years since we last saw him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wait. And you look great. 80 years? You're past 30 now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I... I
3: like, could it, you be
2: any creepier my god he's like finally Don't you're the right age <laughs> Dude.
0: Oh, oh you're well. above age
2: yeah we'll, what we'll, is that
0: we'll talk later um, <laughs> like, so anyway oh so
2: you're uh, legal uh, now <laughs> uh
3: what? on the day i got sick the the day i was sick i realized i was getting sick was halloween and <laughs> oof I thought, okay, well, you know, I need to feel good, so I popped in uh, Young Frankenstein. Ooh! It has been a long time since I've watched it, and I've always sort of been under the idea that it is one of my favorite movies. And after watching it, I can confirm, it is still one of my favorite Yay. movies. It is. It's a. It's a. It's a beautiful film, and uh some other stuff i watched uh in incubation i watched ILM for murder uh right. trying to you know beef up my hitchcock uh watches i watched american psycho oh uh, dude what did you think that's pretty wild um it's it, it it's i want uh, you know, to see paul allen's card I, uh what's see i uh you'll never guess what i watched right after american psycho <laughs> Uh, American Beauty. No, there's one actor in in uh, who shares. Bu- bu- uh Who is? No, no it's not, it's not, not Leto. <laughs> not Leto movie. Uh, no you Batman. Watch? It's, it's a movie. It's a film with Willem Dafoe. Oh, uh, to Watch Antichrist. No, no, no. That be a while. If you watch Antichrist right before, come and see. I don't know why I'm doing this guessing and game. I watched Mr. Man Bean's Holiday. Ooh. Okay. I watched Mr. Bean's Holiday. Oh, he was in that <laughs> uh, movie. He was in that movie. Oh my uh, God. he plays like this director who is who's playing this uh like super like, you know, pretentious like film at Cannes. And I remember watching oh, it was at and thinking like and thinking like this movie actually looks pretty good. Pretty <laughs> pretty good to watch <laughs> even though I don't imagine that
1: it's meant to be taken seriously at all. I was like, eh, it's still pretty,
3: it still pretty, pretty looks doesn't pretty the audience,
1: interesting. Doesn't the audience like fall asleep at his movie? Uh, not with Mister Bean running the projector. <laughs>
3: uh, you know, everyone's at the uh, on their on their feet. Uh, but I ended on my last day of incubation. I decided to rewatch Asteroid City, which is you know kind of has you know a vibe, you know incubation vibes, uh, and. Uh, low-key masterpiece it's kind it, it, like this one this watch like went up for me on this time and that doesn't usually happen but i kind of just found myself watching it and treating it like how a bunch of people watched uh avatar like you know with like the reason why people watch like kept going to see avatar again and again and again it was like oh i just love that world so much i want to be a part of that world i was just so enamored i was just so immersed in like really just hooked in this time. I think though that when I see a Wes Anderson film in theaters, I think subtitles are preferred. Oh, yes. Because the scripts are so dense and I am so stupid <laughs> that I'm not like <laughs> yeah. thinking about like the words that are being spoken. I'm what only looking the at the quote. film the first time around. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the top ten is I, just went, I need to like, I need to like read it, and so being able to like, like actually understand what's being said, because you know they're really, you know, speaking a, a thousand words a, a mile. You know, it's so fun. It's just so uh enjoyable for me. Yeah. I think COVID hit me hard, guys.
2: <laughs> I'm glad you're doing better. And Brian, I have to I agree am... with you. I thought Asteroid City was fantastic. Um, I think it's, it's great that it, you. I... It like I
3: really rewatch. I think I just I genuinely like love that film. I when I saw it I thought like you know it's it's kind of, it felt kind of lightly my favorite movie of 2023 but then rewatching it I'm like now five stars this is definitively my favorite so far.
2: It is I think stunning. like It's stunning.
0: I think Wes Anderson movies like really benefit from a rewatch. Um yeah. I think almost dialogue aside, I think like you just gain like so much more appreciation for what he's like doing. Like, like, uh, I, I like Royal Tenenbaums way more than I did when I first watched it. I need to mm-hmm. rewatch French dispatch. Cause I know
1: I would like it the next, like the second time around. Uh, mm-hmm. cause there was a lot that I was just like experiencing at the first time. And I'm like, Okay, that's a lot.
2: I loved French Dispatch. I definitely thought that was my favorite Wes Anderson, and I kind of am toying with the idea of Asteroid City overtaking it for me. But I gotta rewatch them all, dude. Gotta do you do still it. need to
0: watch Fantastic Mr. Fox? And right now is the best time to do it. Autumn, I was thinking baby. I might watch
2: it tonight if I'm still awake after this. We'll see. You I'm, absolutely
0: I'm should. It's it. that is a... this is,
3: yeah. there really is there. Honestly, Nathan's right. Like there is no better time than like autumn
2: pre thanksgiving <laughs> really.
3: i mean uh yeah it is I, mean, a thank- I know this episode's coming out in december but
2: um, <laughs> it is um
3: like a thanksgiving oh, yeah, movie i think at least by the, the th- time this episode is out i it, it would <laughs> it would really benefit
1: you to have watched it mm-hmm. i'd say yeah mr fox is like one of the only like popular thanksgiving movies
2: knives like, out I ca- is. i would call it a thanksgiving Playing
1: thanksgiving- strains and automobiles baby that's a thanksgiving movie yeah.
2: Oh yeah isn't prisoners a thanksgiving
1: movie <laughs> sure but we're not <laughs> gathering the family around for prisoners.
2: I am. It's I'm not, not much it's,
1: mainly cuz we're directly, trying to find a family.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's not
3: it's not directly I'll a Thanksgiving out. movie, but it is a perfect time like around Thanksgiving because it's kind of that in between between October and December, but The Nightmare Before Christmas is one that I yes. kind of solely will watch in November because that's feels like the absolutely perfect time to watch it
2: bridging the seasons i like it you're
3: still you're, you're 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 coming off the glow of halloween and you're kind of prepping yourself for for uh the holiday
0: season josh what 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 the fuck have you been watching
1: uh so yeah uh the recordings of this podcast like we have it set in december but uh it's like very early on so a lot of my watches have been very halloween based Uh, And I kind of was in a watching, wanting to watch films that I haven't watched that are like classics for Halloween. So uh, I like watched uh, The Fly. Uh, I watched uh, Scream. I watched uh, Trick or Treat, a movie that we were in talks about doing, but we never did. I finally watched that. Uh, Jennifer's Body uh, and and Misery. Uh, so those were like, wow, uh, yeah, I I was like, wow. Those are the... I know why I didn't grow up watching them because I was a wimp when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, so yeah, a lot of these I didn't take much care into wanting to watch. But uh, after, after this selection, I was like, this is great stuff, especially Jennifer's Body. Jennifer's Body is the funniest fucking movie I've ever seen in my life. Uh, <laughs> it, it's been kind of just like a chill vibe. Uh, yeah, and I've just also been watching like, it's, we're getting into awards season movies now, so there's a few I've watched, Killers, uh, and others. <laughs> Let me look at what... Uh, I guess maybe it was just Killers. I haven't been really going... Oh, and The Killer. Uh, I watched The Killer, also wow. a very unintentionally hilarious movie. Uh, I watched it with my sister, who I don't usually watch a lot of movies with, And uh, I I made a joke that made her laugh. And it was when Michael Fassbender was doing yoga. And I'm like, Michael Fassbender? More like
0: Michael Aspender. Look at that. I think I I I disagree about the unintentional. I think it's intentionally like a very funny movie. Absolutely. I don't
3: know. I I mean, I saw it with Nathan while I was getting COVID, and it <laughs> completely like, like going uh, through
1: your COVID appointment of getting it. I'm just
3: kidding. I like <laughs> yeah.
2: how like, the bacteria was infecting you, uh, or like the virus. You're like, hold on, hold on. I got to
1: watch. watch this real quick.
2: I was mid infection when I saw the killer right I was feeling
1: <laughs> the particles enter my body.
0: Uh,
3: Sorry. But yeah, no, yeah. Go, Nathan, it seemed like you were talking about how you disagree with Josh and how he's an idiot and everything.
0: No, yeah. Has everybody here seen The Killer yet? Or Delane, have you watched it? Delane, you're
2: a Fincher watched, girl.
0: You gotta watch it.
2: I am a Fincher girl. I watched uh like two thirds of it and okay. I lost interest. No, <laughs> so, no, no. Uh, Yeah, you guys I didn't like it. I mean no. I'm gonna give it a better chance. I don't I wasn't really like watching it with my full attention. Did you, so did you watch
1: it right after Come and see?
2: No. Okay. um but yeah I was watching it and I was like I don't care <laughs> yeah. so I'm gonna I'm gonna re-watch it I don't think I was giving it a very fair shot um <laughs> I do think it is probably a very good movie that I just like didn't have the energy for it. um yeah. so That's yeah fair. but I yeah don't worry about spoiling it I mean i imagine what, no, it. where no, did I, you
1: I, I, where did you stop off where did you drop off
2: i I could not tell you. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) He killed a
1: guy. What what
3: Smith songs was playing when you decided to stop watching?
2: uh, I have no idea. I don't even remember. Um, Wow. You really got to lay off (laughs) Coyote. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, There was an airport.
1: (laughs) Delane's right. Delane explains the plot of Killer. I don't know. There's like an uh, airport or something. He had shit. a
2: he had a hat on. Um, <laughs> he always there. has a different hat on.
0: You know, dude. I was about to say, hold on. That's that's the like probably one of my favorite parts of the whole movie because Avita like halfway through the movie leans in towards me, just like I love his silly little hats. <laughs> <And> I just <laughs> almost lost my mind right there. And I come to find out afterwards they had a whole, like, arrangement, a gallery of, like, bucket hats they had to, like, of choose for this they did. movie. Of and course It's, they so did. it's so David funny. Fincher. It's yeah. it's such a good little detail because it's so funny that, like, this, like, very serious, like, hitman pitch just has a huge closet filled with bucket hats. <laughs> I would Jesus like to imagine Tom, kid. Kid. no one wants to interact with a German tourist. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, I did see that part.
1: That was the beginning That's of the movie. <laughs>
2: Doing my best here. There was a taxi driver. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I, I would like to imagine David Fincher's like going through multiple like hundreds of takes because he just doesn't like the hat he's wearing. He's like, uh, try this one. Uh, no, no, try this one. I mean, that's very on brand for Fincher. How many laptops? It doesn't sound in- like an exaggeration at all. How many laptops do we lose in
0: Social Network? Like 200 delay what, what uh, you obviously have watched partially the killer what else have you yeah, partially watched
2: i wasn't gonna count that as my watch because <laughs> i haven't finished it and i i do feel like maybe i probably didn't watch it very carefully <laughs> so i didn't expect to be quizzed delay <laughs> uh, stick to
1: the plan stick anyway, to the
2: plan yeah um <laughs>
1: adapt don't improvise
2: Oh boy um let's see i um have been a little out of the loop on movies with just everything else going on in my life um but nathan and evita kicked me back into movie mode and took me to see priscilla um which i very much enjoyed um and then i started watching some movies again and it was a nice feeling that's um, all it took
0: i love the cinema
2: yeah um i don't is that your I,
0: elvis voice no, that i don't i, I guess that was
2: that, like fozzy bear i think
0: maybe <laughs> i don't that oh. was a voice i can't pin down what exactly that was uh, i think i got a better um, elvis impression hi yo i'm elvis
2: yeah well there he is <laughs> just um, a waka
1: waka bird in
2: love <laughs> wow um yeah let's see i want to give a shout out to my mom uh Definitely listening to this podcast. I hope. I hope she's listening to it. Does um, she listen to Come it? Come and
1: see. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs>
2: Poor but, uh, I
1: decided to start with this episode.
2: <laughs> it's it like a, you
3: know.
1: Tell yeah, her, Marnie, hey, it's free on YouTube, so she can watch it.
2: I will. Um, I don't think she's gonna watch it. <laughs> anyway, she texted me and she was like, "You have to watch this incredible film, The Incredible Life of Henry Sugar, on Netflix." And I was like, "Okay." So I watched it and I was like, "My God, this is a Wes Anderson film." So shout out Marnie to my mom is, for being Marnie
1: is relevant.
3: So, so
2: yeah, she's, did you, she's awesome.
3: Did you know it was a Wes Anderson film at the end when it revealed the? <laughs> was it no? At the, or did the, you, could you tell through watching it? I don't I remember mean, if he says the, the same blurb
2: at the, at the on the Netflix like listing says like Wes Anderson, uh, and also uh, okay. like the, he does the credits at the beginning of the movie. So um, okay, yeah. So anyway, it was not a surprise until I had like searched it, and then I was like, oh hey. Um, so that was great. I uh, was telling you guys before we started recording that uh, I watched the extended editions of uh, Two Towers Return of the King. Great times. Um, and I want to shout out one film I watched that is kind of random. I was looking for something that was a specific genre that I can't quite articulate. Um, the best way I've heard it described is like Americana. Um, which I believe that's a coffee. Really like it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it's sort of like a a melancholy, like, I, I don't know. It's vibes. That's all I can say. And uh, I was looking for, like, films and TV shows that kind of capture this specific tone. And uh, many, many internet searches later led me to a film on Netflix called I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore uh... with Melanie Linsky. and elijah wood and my goodness what a great film also filmed locally in portland we love to see it um and it was just a really good time i had a great time melanie linsky is incredible i literally will watch her act in anything she's fantastic um but uh it's also fun to see elijah wood just being insane i love that for him uh and it was great i just really enjoyed it yeah (laughs) Yeah, he, uh, he plays a little freak in this movie and at one point he like throws a ninja star and he's like can't get it out of the wall afterwards and he's like pulling on it and he finally gets it out and he goes that's how hard i threw it <laughs> i love him i love this <laughs> but uh yeah so great film highly recommend it's on netflix um i don't know how old it is i forgot what year it was made but i don't think it's too old 2017 maybe um anyway fantastic weird film but yeah, and then I watched Come and See. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and now I'll never watch movies again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Last movie ever. <laughs>
1: that is like a last movie ever.
2: Yeah. The director thought so.
0: Yeah, no. Um. So I watched Come and See probably a little bit sooner than... You were uh, getting to other... watch it. Yeah, I, I did not know. Well,
3: did... Did you watch Come and See on Mushrooms?
0: No, Mm. (laughs) I. Oh, the
3: one like you're (laughs) not doing (laughs) the bit then. What's that? I said it seems like you're not committed to the bit then.
0: I, you're you're absolutely right. What a trip, bro? Um, no. So I watched Come and See like earlier, like like a few weeks ago, and like since then I'm like, okay, let's uh, let's try to see if we could fill that gaping hole that the uh, the movie has left in my psyche. So I. I think I immediately watched uh, Paddington 2 like shortly oh, after that.
1: Great choice. What a cleanser.
0: Yeah, I I will never tire of that movie. I think that might be a like at least a top 10 movie, honestly, for me. Like, I think it's, I think people haven't overblown that movie at all. I think front to back, it's so good. It's paced well. It makes you feel good. Great Christmas movie, by the way. Um, yeah, no, I will always love Paddington 2 and the glorious end sequence with Hugh Grant doing a musical number in the prison.
1: I remember I, Brian Delaney and I went and watched it in theaters, and when that sequence went on, there were kids in the audience, and they were, like, dancing along to it or something like that. I remember that happening. Really?
3: Yeah. I, you don't? I don't remember. I don't, I don't quite remember that happening. Not that I'm saying I don't believe you, but I just don't. don't quite remember.
2: I also don't remember, but I don't remember anything. Eternal sunshine at the spotless mind over here.
3: I do remember that Paddington 2 was the 1,000th film I logged on Letterboxd. I do remember that, Brian. (laughs) Yes.
2: Holy shit. Yeah, you were sitting next to me in the theater and you go, this is my, like, what was it? One thousand. One thousand. Yeah, for some reason I was like ten thousand. I was like, that's. <laughs> this Even is my one Brian. millionth
0: filled watch <laughs> on. <that phone. laughs>
2: I was like, wow, what a milestone! I was like, it's an honor to be here and accompany you on this view. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, that's a good final movie, Brian. Yeah. Taking, taking some yeah. notes, Nathan? No, hey, I'm we, just But you it, it,
2: say it, it sounds like a threat. I'm just going to no, say
0: No, I'm just I remember, you know, we were talking about Coven CV in a final film. Hello, Human Resources. I just,
3: <laughs> yeah. I just noticed you I just noticed you turned off the uh the the Christmas lights around your neck. They're no longer glowing. <laughs> it's not Christmas. Christmas anymore. is
2: over. Yeah. Nathan, you you're
3: no April Christmas in your, Belarus. Your April pick should be it's a wonderful life. <laughs> <laughs>
0: christmas in april any hoosers um i did um i did wa- do a rewatch of talladega nights as well um so nice. the oh, peyote no. joke from earlier kind of sent me um <laughs> that movie is funny that movie is like probably a better like political like satire of bush era like like politics than like most bush era political movies than a oliver stone movie yeah exactly <laughs> And it's just like oh, uh, probably peak ass McKay too. It's
2: gotta be one of the most watched movies in my yeah. life. Like there are not it's, that many movies I've seen more than Talladega Nights.
0: It's really just
3: a matter of time before it's it's I I feel like it would be a twenty twenty four uh A B T pick. See I feel I like s- it's inevitable.
0: I struggle with doing that because okay, I did change my Discord name to my Concho because I th- I forgot about that Playgirl spread butt cheese joke. You,
3: you pulled your butt apart as my Concho. <laughs> it's,
0: <laughs> it's it just it killed me. Uh, John, John C Riley always kills me anyway. But I I feel like if we did a movie like that, the entire episode there would be no discussion. Just we just, yeah, we just yeah, we just just close each other for over an hour. <laughs> Don't you stick that
2: knife in your leg. You got to cut around around
0: the meat. meat.
3: (laughs) Now, when you say psychosomatic, does that mean that he can start a fire with his thoughts?
0: (laughs) Someone didn't love you enough when you were little.
2: (laughs) I'm going to break you like wild horses. (laughs) I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew yeah see help Look me jesus god <laughs>
0: yeah, <it's laughs> a- help me
2: tom cruise
3: <laughs> tom cruise use your witchcraft to put the fire out all right i like that made me spill my macchiato
2: i like to think <laughs> baby jesus is your has house haunted i feel like maybe your house is haunted
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: you know, i just watched like Highlander. terrible jesus. movie <laughs> I like to picture Jesus like a dirty old bum. And you know, I'm about to sock him on because he's a dirty old bum. But then I I stop. I think like, no, wait a minute. There's something special about this. And then it turns out it's Jesus. that. Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Anywho, my last movie I watched. God, that should have been the last
3: one. That's that's a final movie.
0: That is is a final movie. Yeah, what a way to go out.
3: Well, I sure Um, wish I could have seen that. (laughs)
2: that's how i want to go out that's what i want my final movie to be
0: my my last movie i watched recently is actually probably my favorite movie of the year um it's called the holdovers it's um i need to see that movie it's the new alexander payne movie um which actually um i watched with election with josh and delane here back in college I a, uh, watched
1: Sideways not too long ago, and I'm like, oh I, I really like dig his vibe. And then I was like, oh shit, he did Election. But yeah, I need to see holdovers.
0: He's an interesting director. I've seen uh, Election. I've seen um, uh, the Descendants, and I liked both. But like, I hadn't heard anything from him in a while, other than that one Matt Damon movie he made. Um, that was downsizing. Kinda,
2: downsizing.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that kind of got like a little bit mixed. So I, I, I skipped that one. But um, I went to this one not knowing by the way, this is a Christmas movie. Like this is a full on like Christmas movie. If you could watch like I watched this like you know, early November. Like <laughs> <laughs> but it it's uh it's good. It's really good vibes. It's it's a it's like filmed and looks like a nineteen seventies like movie. This looks like it like could have been made by like Hal Ashby like type of thing. Sure. Like the mm-hmm. Uh, intro credits and everything. The soundtrack. There's like a Cat Stevens song like every like few minutes. The trailer um, even
1: looked pretty 70s, which I really enjoyed going to the theaters and seeing super
0: that. 70s. And I have a movie that like I can get like Paul Giamatti like at the forefront. I'm just like, all right, I'm sold. Let's watch it. And the man deserves three Oscars already. I yeah. he's going to get nominated for this one. That I think, I truly movie. think this movie is going to be like kind of a sneaky like slumber hit the Oscars. Um, for a few reasons, one, I think it's really fucking good. I think it's Mm -hmm. like going to make like anybody who watches this, like it's probably going to like lift your spirits. I, (laughs) if you need to come and see, pick me up. This is, this is the one (laughs) to watch. Um, and also it's, uh, I, I was in a full, uh, pretty full theater with mostly like 55 plus year old people and every like joke like landed, like they were all laughing their asses off and it was like you know just like smart like witty jokes N- nothing like you know you know it's no tattledega nights but it is uh are you saying you're I an do old, remember old that
3: experience
0: yeah and I think like and the academy is filled with a bunch of old people it's like oh my god they're gonna fucking love this thing but aside that go go watch it like if you can like watch it like closer to Christmas or just anytime after Thanksgiving please do I can't wait to especially this group in particular I can't wait to talk about it with all of you, because I think you're gonna love it. Like absolutely. Winter is in the air, which means it's time to pour yourself a peppermint white Russian. Call your babushka and sell in for our Christmas pick this year, which is none other than 1985's Come and See, directed by Elem Klimov. Yeah. Yep,
2: that was it. <laughs>
3: there was much rejoicing. We need some light. Like, <laughs>
0: I might need some like little jingle bells like after that, like <laughs> insert there, Josh, if you can. Yeah. Like just. Yeah.
3: Throw oh. in some jingle bells and some, some air
1: horns, Josh.
0: I'll, I'll, uh. Right
3: here.
1: <laughs> oh, you get to make the demands on the edits now? Okay. <laughs> just so, a request. Just a request.
0: So if, if um, many of you, if you, ch- uh, tuned in to the last episode, you would have caught the last bit where we had to decide where, um, where well, our next pick was gonna be. Or rather, I left it up to chance to my uh wonderful wheel. Oh so I bl- so we blame God for this then? Yeah. Um you can you can also blame me too. That's hundred percent fine. Oh I um, do. <laughs> um so there's two yeah, picks on that was on never there. a mystery. There's two picks on there. There was It's a wonderful life, which is a very much a Christmas movie, and it's also a very like a uh, pertinent movie to this day, you know it's very uplifting, very like It's a timeless classic, right? Like people watch this uh, year after year, and they're going to watch it for 100 more years. And then on the other side of that coin was uh, Come and See, which also is very pertinent to today, especially in um, this year alone, actually. And we'll get to that later. And I I didn't choose this just to to screw with you with my other co-hosts, but I I did take it a little bit of joy. And um, seeing their reactions to watching this before and after. I, I guess we'll just like dive into it. Um, how, who here is like a big World War II buff, I guess. Like, is there anybody here that, like, are you familiar with the global conflict that was World War II? <laughs> Any I dads
2: have, yes. in the podcast? <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> uh, one of my best friends from high school, shout out to you, Eamon. I think he listens to this podcast. Uh, is the biggest history buff I have ever known. Uh, he was, like, telling me all about fun things about history. He actually, like, we're doing a D&D campaign based off, like, a medieval, like, siege on Munster Germany back in the 1500s. It's very interesting, uh, but I listened to, a, like, a podcast you recommended about it. Anyways, uh, so, yeah, I have some World War II knowledge. Did I know that uh, the Nazis put people in barns and burned it? No, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't put it past them. That's all I'll say. Yeah, yeah definitely.
2: De- I definitely had like a very, I don't want to say sanitized, but like the the school version of World War II. I did take a World Wars class in high school as an elective um, in which I watched Saving Private Ryan. So I got nice. to see that film. Uh, and a few other war films that were, I thought, actually I still remember pretty well. Um, Yeah, I definitely couldn't tell you like the intricacies of the history and all of the years and the important, you know, like players probably, I don't know, my A push teacher is like, come on. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I definitely remember just like the basics. And I mean, I think you don't even really need to necessarily know a ton of background on the actual historical conflict. To appreciate the film, I do think it helps, just like most things. Um, the more information, the better. But ultimately, I went into this with like a very, very surface level knowledge of World War II.
3: I mean, I learned a bunch uh, in my schooling, and then, like most of the other subjects, aside from a few essential ones uh, to me, I forgot about that, uh, most of it. Just a lot of that, uh, the meat and potatoes of it, but. You know some of the broad strokes I'm I'm fairly aware of, and I'm always aware that there's more that I uh, will learn that I learn without even uh, searching for it. It just kind of, you know, there's elements of it that still ruminate uh, in in our culture and uh, in in society.
0: Yeah, it's one of the two great wars. It's uh you know for what do you years, define
1: it... as what do you find as great.
0: That, that's a good question. And we're, uh, I think that's going to lead into our discussion of the war versus the anti-war movie actually later on. And we'll mm, talk okay. more about that and in the way that, um, media portrays, mm-hmm. I guess both world war one and world war two, mm-hmm. um, or any just like, uh, global conflict or, um, or war. I, I was a bit of a history buff, um, even prior, um, to like college and learning more, um, like deep diving. I, I mean, like I, you know, I, like history in high school as well and middle school and all that and then in college i kind of i had a roommate who was pretty obsessed with uh with dictators and hitler and uh would not not in a weird way more in just like he how's just, he doing he's great he's 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 a lawyer these days actually yeah oh. um, tanner. Yeah,
1: for,
3: yeah
0: yeah oh. it's tanner oh okay <laughs> yeah, i was gonna yeah, say he, like lawyers for who my education it, a lot like yours is very like u.s sanitized there was basically two versions there's one which was Um, you knew about Germany and you knew about the Holocaust. And the second one, you knew about the Pacific front, which was the US and Japan. What We didn't learn as much, um, unless you really dug around, was the uh, German versus Russian front, which for the majority of the war, Russia was basically handling Germany um, more than any other country. And uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know nathan i think you
1: probably don't give enough credit to call of duty for teaching the youngins how w- wars were going on I, I knew a little bit about uh perestroika from
0: uh yeah call, call of duty call, world of war really uh give you your nice uh global perspective on on this i all i'll say is you know i'm a bit more knowledgeable than those who didn't play call
1: of duty world at war <laughs>
0: entire generation on the
1: shoulders
2: of call the war we must
1: teach our children through shooters
2: video games are educational
1: video games are educational
0: they can be 10 times or nine times out of ten they're not but that's fine so i'll i'll just like briefly go over some bullet points just to give like a little bit of background um uh german invasion of the ussr started in june 22 uh 22 22, 22 i can't pronounce it 1941. Prior to this, actually, Stalin and Adolf had a uh, little bit of a pact um, beforehand. But, you know, Adolf Hitler decided to invade anyway. Um, so the movie takes place in Belarus or Belarus. Um, Belarus. And it Belarus? Belarus. 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 Are you our uh, uh, Russian uh, pronunciator this uh, podcast? I believe it's pronunciator. I'm going to hurt you by the end of this. I believe you're
1: trying to say, I love you, Josh. He
0: love right the he location of this movie, also a real-life location, was under German uh, military o- occupation until its full liberation by August 1944. Approximately 2 million people um, in this area were killed, including 500 to 550,000 Jews via the Holocaust. So the screenplay for Come and See was written by director Klimov and Alez Adamovich. I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher a lot of russian names as uh go around um and that is based on the 1977 memoir i am from the fiery village of which adamovich was mm. a co-author of adamovich mm. himself was a child soldier in belarus during the war experiencing firsthand the atrocities that occur in the film um which does come into play and come and see because we take the perspective of a child soldier from his home um in a tiny little village to him marching with the army in the end credits and a whole lot of messed up stuff in between. So yeah, let's, uh, let's dig into it. First impressions. How's, uh, how did everybody do watching this?
2: I can start honestly, um, this is going to sound really bad and I just want to preface it that it doesn't, I don't mean it this way, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, hmm. honestly, I agree. I think yeah. I think I've been a little desensitized by uh, current media and its depictions (laughs) of violence, Um, but this was tamer than Game of Thrones, I think, you know, and a lot of things like that we just see regularly. Um, So I appreciated that because I thought it wasn't so much about the shock value as it was about the mounting sense of horror and like desensitization to the cruelty rather than the horrific things that were happening to people it was i think the real like bad thing in this movie is just the capacity for cruelty which is a little bit unique i feel like in this mm. sort of genre um where it's more about like how badly can you be hurt and like what can you survive and like what do you see and um that's obviously present here but I just I think I was definitely expecting it to be a lot worse in that regard, um, and I was able to appreciate a lot more of its like subtleties than I might have if it had been more gratuitous.
1: I might also say something that doesn't sound great, but I'll explain a bit more. Uh, this film kind of just felt like vibes. Uh, vibes weren't the vibes weren't great. Uh <laughs> in fact, uh they're pretty vibes a little
0: off the left tone side.
1: Yeah, uh, the vibes are a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little off. But uh I was surprised like this movie was like two and a half hours and I never really felt it, mainly because it kind of just felt like events that were happening. Um and, there, and the, well, there wasn't really much of a story in this. It was more or less just like a POV experiencing everything that's happening around him and sometimes the scenes wouldn't even involve him anymore it kind of just like transitioned into literally just like the barn burning and like these nazis like doing their evil things and i like delane said i think the horror doesn't come from the singular events but just the constant amount of it felt like kind of like a hell on earth kind of deal because it's just like no matter where they went something awful was happening or just noise upon noise of just awful things happening. Um, and yeah, I think for the, that all kind of compiled into it being more like just giving the feeling of just being in an awful scenario, bad vibes. Yeah, absolutely. I
3: obviously found it uh, to be a deeply emotional and anguishing story. And by the end of it, I still kind of found myself thinking that it's one of the most beautiful-looking films I've ever seen. Mm, yeah. Like, there's this one kind of word that I couldn't help but think of throughout the whole film, and that's unnatural. Mm. There's something so unnatural about, like, what you're watching, because there's obviously so much evil taking place, but it's also contrast with this sense of uh, nature and the the earth that we're kind of destroying, and the people that we're destroying, and and some of the animals too that we uh, that we see. We see animals live. We see animals die. We see humans live, and we see humans die, and yeah. just so much, just so so much that's just sort of freakish about the way that so many characters like behave, you know, their extreme, the extreme looks on Mm. their face that communicate the emotion that they're feeling that it's just so in your face. And even at certain points, like the, 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 the perspective, the camera, the characters are looking directly at you Mm. in your face and they are revealing to you. There's a, there's a subtlety to, the way that the film is lit but there's not so much subtlety in the way that the characters are expressing
1: themselves I haven't seen like that much like expression in like actors since like silent films almost like they went very like open especially the main character the kid for like Expressing his sorrows and anguish, it's just like yeah, you cannot miss it.
0: It's like it's so interesting because I think with a lesser filmmaker, I think in the hands of somebody that couldn't handle this, um it would have come across as almost cartoony. But because it's so well made, and obviously the director knew how to work with the actors enough. By the way, most of these um, the actors were untrained people. I mean, the main uh, uh, boy. a hey, forget his name in it but um was that that was like one of his first roles like ever it <laughs> was his,
2: it was his first role and he was 14 mm-hmm. years old i looked yeah. up too because i was just like shocked the fact that this child was able to portray such horrific and harrowing motion so realistically like
3: did anyone read that uh fact about this film that that actor like he had to like undergo like hypnosis yeah i did read uh, in about order that. Yeah. to kind of like Like, it just uh, wild, wild. sorry, I didn't know about this. I'm a little unfamiliar with this as well, yeah. To prepare the 14-year-old for the role, uh, Klimov called a hypnotist with autogenic training. The kid's acting could have had a very sad ending. He could have landed in an insane asylum. I realized I had to inject him with content which he did not possess. This is an age when a boy does not know what true hatred is. What true love is. In the end, he was able to concentrate so intensely that it seemed as if he had hypnotized himself for the role. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so is he doing okay now? So, all
1: right.
2: Yeah, I'd he's seem, still acting. It seems
3: like he's got a he got a, like a pretty prolific career after this. I would imagine.
2: I think he took a break afterwards, but did he took I... him a while to escape the, like I think he was like not typecast per se, but like people knew him so much from this film that it was hard to like get him into other types of roles. And Mm -hmm. so there was a, definitely a lull in his career immediately afterwards. But I mean, the
0: Linda Blair effect
2: kids 14, like I'm sure he probably needed the break, honestly, like after this kind of film,
0: um, probably one of the most controversial movies ever, like the existence of cinema. (laughs) Yeah. It must be really hard to
1: share that reel with anybody when he's just starting off. Be like, Oh, what'd you work on? Oh, here's, here's a scene with
2: (laughs) me in it. Yeah. <laughs> what,
1: don't ever what, call what again. Scene, I was going to say,
0: you, what what scene would you pick from that for your do you? Reel? Do you have anything
1: uh, better? No, that's the most tame one we have. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe the one where he's like under the tree with the girl. Like that seems yeah. fine.
2: Oh, that was such a nice scene. Yeah. Especially that, was like he's crying or...
1: and like the got the water in the boot. And he's like pouring it out. Anything in the beginning, I guess. That Anything like... in the first
2: like 40 minutes is probably safe, but yeah, he, you know, something else funny, speaking of career lulls and changes. Um, I read that the director never made another film after this, and I think
1: that's like, uh,
0: well, then i done. <laughs>
1: Well,
2: he I said what I
0: need to say. Yeah. This movie was banned him, for a very long time, too. Yeah. When well, people asked
2: him, like, aren't you going to keep going? And he was like, why? I've already done everything I could. I wanted to do, <laughs> which is like. Come
0: and see, too. Honestly, Come to that's... see it. Yeah. I mean, we're, <laughs> but... where, where do you go from there? Like, a, a you know, uh, I mean, obviously, other directors. Marvel. <laughs> 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 Come and see, too. <laughs> yeah.
1: Come and, see, two, <laughs> uh, come and see two Iron Man. Come and see two Civil War.
2: Oh God. Yeah. I
0: mean, but like for real though, Dynasty. Like, It's I mean, like obviously, you know, there's some directors that go on to make like multiple like masterpieces and everything, but like some like you know, I, I think of like the uh was it the Night Hunter or whatever that director um only made oh, one Night movie of the hunter Night of the hunter yeah. yeah 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 only one movie ever and it's mm-hmm. considered to be one of the greatest like black and white movies of all time you know
1: you got to you got to give it to the person that knows that they're enough and that they're and that they're satisfied you know i just I, I really it, like
2: but... it's there's something so like unassailably like confident but it's not really coming across as arrogance to me it's coming across as like i did what i set out to do and now i don't need to do it anymore which yeah. i i Really deeply respect, especially because he did such a good job with this film. Um, like, you know what, dude? You earned it. Go retire, I guess. Um, well, but, and like,
0: uh... you know, movies take a toll on you. I mean, like, both physically and mentally, you know, I it's I always a think grueling, of grueling, um... grueling,
1: grueling business.
0: Well, I mean, sometimes it, it straight up kills you for whatever yeah. reason. I mean, like, I think of, like, another Russian filmmaker, T- Tarkovsky, literally, um, mm-hmm. like, the theory goes that he probably got cancer on the set of Stalker because of like all the stuff like they were wading through and like mm. um, the the set and everything because they were shooting on location for a lot of stuff and it was just a lot of poison like and weird like contamin- contaminants they were like going through but I mean just like you know these people just live and die by the art you know what
2: did you guys um what did you guys think of the title of the film I looked Come it up in. afterwards yeah I'm just uh, curious what your impressions of that were.
1: I actually had somebody who also was a fan of the film uh, who also is a major history buff. uh, Tell me like show the trailer to me. And I believe it's a Bible verse or some quote.
2: It's from the book of revelation, which is, you know, the last one. It's like the apocalypse book. Um, Yes.
1: So that's kind of, I already was kind of like given that a little bit. Yeah.
2: I thought it was a really cool reference. Like the title is, I think it's one of the best titles a film like this could have because mm-hmm. it's speaking directly to the viewer, right? Mm-hmm. Like come and see what happened and like yeah, be part of it. And I think um you know, the filming, the the style of the film with the close-ups, the first-person perspective mm-hmm. um I mean, I'm calling it that, but I'm talking about those shots where it's just like center frame of a person
0: they're like at full the front. Right. It's like a frontal, yeah. Like basically yeah, closed up. Yeah.
2: That's exactly how it would look if you were standing in front of them. And I think mm-hmm. um that's very purposeful. Like you are it is deliberately placing you into the narrative, making you part of this experience and all of the horrors that come along with that. And it's very it's very personal. Like it's it mm-hmm. forces you to be like present in a in a way that I feel like a lot not a lot of other films really do. It's I very really
1: handheld. It's very handheld too, um, especially when it's like just, like I remember there were long takes where the camera's like moving in and out of different environments, like a documentary or just like a person interacting within that environment, like you're there. Um, So I feel like that gives a lot more depth and like, again, makes it very personable. Staring directly into the frame of a camera, I'm surprised more horror films don't do that because that is always something that, makes me unsettled when you do like a snap cut to like somebody staring directly into the frame or something like that that happened a couple of times uh it
2: removes the barrier between the, the safety right yeah. like it makes you don't get close no longer yeah you're no longer safe on your couch watching this on tv now it's like i'm there and this person's looking directly at me and it really is very jarring it's mm-hmm. very scary and it's like nothing is more immersive i think really
0: well, there's a um that makes uh, me think about in um, in high school when I did theater. My theater teacher, whenever we do uh, competition for monologues, duo scenes, all that, he always said that uh, typically you don't want to stare into the eyes of the judge, and it's because whenever you're like talking to them or acting to them, they feel like they need to respond. And I mm-hmm. think you get a very similar sense in like these like full close up shots. Of, of these people staring head on to the camera that you feel like you need to respond in some sort of way. It it's it's almost eerie. It's almost like you're like talking to them or like whatever the case is, but how do you react to these extreme conditions and when they're in, you know, what what do you say to that? Right? Like how, how do you respond to this? Like, I, just, like I don't you, know. Like you're compelled to help them or something like
1: that. Like they're, exactly. asking, they're asking for it and you can't do anything.
2: Yeah, and it's like Josh said, like, I didn't feel the runtime. Like, I think you might, you would expect to with the type of subject matter and how long it is, you would expect mm-hmm. to feel exhausted. And I, I do feel psychologically exhausted, don't get me wrong, but I don't feel the way I do normally with, like, a long film like that. Like, if this were a horror movie, I would be like, oh, my God, two and a half hours or whatever. But, like, like I'm just, like, gore or whatever. Like, oh, I'm exhausted. But this is well, just, like, it, it helped me wrap the entire time i was genuinely very invested and i was really surprised at that in myself because i'm not a war movie person really um
0: well it's just it's like fascinating i mean we were talking earlier about how this like this feels almost like a fucked up like slice of life like type of thing right like you are day in the life like going through this kid and like uh, there's aspects of it that's obviously foreign to us because we've never had to deal with something like this personally but there's also other aspects like you know it's uh you know the worry for the family, like uh, helping your community, and like straight survival. I mean, like a lot of the actions that like a lot of these people take, I'm I mean, that's probably what I'd have to do if I, you know we ever had to go through something on the home front. You know, and like they're just like like simple stuff from, joint uh, like when the kid joins the army at the beginning, thinking he's gonna like make a difference, to straight up just trying to get cow back to like his community, like just to feed them, and then that becomes a whole sequence in itself by the way fun fact that um that's not a fun fact I don't think that's a dead cow um but the firing that happens overhead the kid during that sequence that's all real to the point that I guess like the bullets like some of them were inches away from like his head like
1: what the fuck that seems (laughs) very unsafe uh I'm sorry there's no no Matt no degree of authenticity requires you almost shoot your fucking actors that's insane I also
2: I agree too like I read that the cow that was killed died for real like they killed it to get okay. an authentic death scene from the cow which I so passionately hate and disagree with and I just can't even stomach the fact that like animal an animal like was killed on purpose for like the right it, shot, but like it's
1: no softshell turtle, but it's still it's still up. I'm fucked, there.
2: I'm upset about that too, but um, yeah. Anyway, it's it was just a a very beer, upsetting. Be away
0: from dead animals after this one for a little while. That'd be
2: great. <laughs> can, thank you. Can
0: <laughs> I just
3: say that the most uh, I think to me the most like one thing that the film does is. That improves the kind of like subjectivity of it is that it doesn't really show you a whole lot of the actual like impact, like a mm-hmm. lot of the actual like violence uh, happening. It's always a sort of like you know uh, bodies covered in blood or a pile of, of people outside of the of the house. Yeah. But the thing that really kind of just really gave me shivers was the the cow's eye like yeah. doing that like twitching.
1: I like I was. I truly was. It was hard to watch. I thought it was an editing trick until I saw that there was a fly like coming right next to the eye of the cow, and I was so like, you "Oh, see like an
3: uh, like a fly land on its eye and then fly away."
1: Like there's yeah. no reversing and quick cutting of just the same image. It's literally the eye moving in that direction. And maybe I don't know the he... full way it's done. Maybe there's more to it, but that's just eerie.
3: He leaves. He leaves the cow, and then like seconds later you
1: see a horse i'm like oh god
3: no
0: what are you what are we doing (laughs) (laughs) he just moves on to more animals but i think it's like bird yeah it's so effective you know we're we're seeing these like monstrous things happen to not just people but to animals as well and like no matter which way you cut it it's just like the most fucked up thing you ever Mm witness and like how how can this occur how how does like uh conflict on this scale like happen I mean, these, these atrocious things.
1: All animals except for that tiny little marsupial thing that that guy had—the
2: uh, lemur or whatever. The sh- it looked like a sugar glider or something. What the heck was that?
1: Uh, oh, it whatever. was
2: the it was the bush baby.
1: A bush baby. Uh, that
0: nothing happened to that. Uh, so, oh, the little Nazi pet thing he had. Yeah, I uh, also th- think that there was a point to that too. I think it's like I, I think there's like an irony to that because that whole scene you're seeing people get torched alive and and in barns. And then it cuts back to like, you know, the Nazi uh, some sort of high uh, ranking, like person in the regime, like feeding his little pet, like, Mm -hmm. like little things like he's being very kind to this little animal, but like not to human beings. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. uh, Hailing like actual, like scorched, like people
3: kind, kind to Bush babies, very unkind to human babies
0: yeah 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 that whole scene is really upsetting and by the way that that did happen to um oh, that, that, oh yeah. that was all very not just the um barn burning but the um the whole um sequence where like they asked like okay everybody abandon your children and like come out of the barn that that would happen and like I, somebody like um i don't remember if it was the writer or director um comment like like that happened like to them like
1: only somebody who has experienced that could ever like reveal that kind of information i don't think anybody like just off a whim would be like oh yeah i'm just gonna write this into the movie uh that definitely felt like it came from experience and that's just awful
0: yeah absolutely yeah i I mean there's just a, a really eerie authenticity to every single little thing that happens there's nothing in this movie that I believe to be unbelievable. If that makes sense. I think there's like some war movies or um, yeah. Holocaust movies that you watch. And like, there's almost like a, like there's a lot of evil stuff occurring, but there's almost like um, some aspects of it is like, okay, this seems a little bit over the top or whatever the case may be, but there's like not a sequence or like a, in this. I was like, yeah, this fully believable to the T.
1: Yeah, this is not a movie that's intended to appease audiences.
0: I think that this leads into a like our. um, I think a good point is um, uh, Francois Truffaut said said once, "There's no such thing as an anti-war film." Do we believe this still after watching Come and See?
1: I would say no. Uh, I, I I also was thinking about that when watching this movie. Uh, and I was thinking back to other war movies that I really liked or I claimed to be, like, my favorite and thinking about how they, like, display war and if it's, like, if they completely disavow it. Like, one of my favorite movies, 1917, uh, I would say still fails at that. I feel like it still glorifies it in some way. This film, I don't see any form of glory. I don't see... I mean... I don't really, I, I could see some sense of exploitation, uh, but I don't see any way of it making war look good. Its images are pretty sobering, and the fact that it comes from, like, real stories definitely, like, makes it more traumatic, but I, I this is one of those films, and I feel like this and maybe Grave of the Fireflies are, like, one ones that really depict like, and I think the ones that depict war the most earnestly are the ones where it shows the aftermath of people and how it affects them. I think that shows a much more harsh and stark and pretty realistic reality.
2: I've thought a lot about this quote because I don't know that I fully understand what he's saying. Like, is he is he just saying that war movies, by nature, glorify war and battle
0: in some way uh, there's always some sort of um, redeeming factor like there's like whether it's like almost like a savior complex like they're doing it for the greater good type of like ordeal or whatever the case may be like these horrible horrible things happen but you're you don't necessarily feel good at the end but there's some sort of redemption within it I mean you can like
1: or that there's some glorious purpose with war like yeah yeah you're doing
0: this for the greater good Like, Saving Private Ryan's really guilty of this. And so, and even, like, Schindler's List, you can argue, like, there's, like, some, like, guilt with that. I mean, like, you know, with its main protagonist. I think there's, it's just hard to, like, make a redeeming war movie that doesn't somehow, oh, this was for the greater good, more than anything That
2: makes sense, actually. Yeah, and maybe it's just because I haven't seen that many war movies, and most of the Mm -hmm. ones I've seen have been fairly recent. I want to say that, The trend has moved away from that. Um, I mean, I didn't think 1917 was particularly glorifying war, and that's also one of my favorite films. I don't Um, think
1: the whole film glorifies it, but I think certain areas show, like, a beauty to it or, like, a grand scope of it that, like, makes it visually appealing. Like, the flare scene, like... Yeah. I don't know if that was really necessary in terms of, like... I don't know. It definitely didn't, like, show the negative side of that. And then I think, think like, in the very end when they have, like, this, again, I think what Nathan was talking about with, like, this hero complex, like, oh, they saved the day, they saved those boys or whatever, and, like, kids were getting shot, like, two seconds beforehand, and you don't kind of feel it. That feels more like an obstacle versus, like, saving people. Those are, like, I think those smaller aspects of it make
0: me feel like it doesn't completely go up to the task of, like, disavowing war. I that think it's, like, it's it's more the, like, anything that's, like, other than nihilism when it comes to war is almost in, disingenuous. Um, and, uh, like, this is not to bag 1917 more, because I actually really loved 1917 when it came out. I but, do, like, too. There's, there's that whole, like, scene where he's, like, he meets the woman and her yeah. child. And, like, there's a really, like, nice touching moment underneath. That would go against the almost like whatever message like the movie would have anti-war there's no you can't be anti-war you could be like pro soldier you can be pro oh this had to happen there's no way it's anti-war though i think that that's the issue of putting that label onto a lot of war movies
2: that makes a lot of sense i think um with like 1917 and like even to some extent all quiet on the western front the recent remake Mm -hmm. um you know there are there's beautiful cinematography in both of those films. Yeah. But I think that my interpretation of it was not so much that this is like anti or like pro war but more that just like this is the the juxtaposition of like the beauty of the natural world yeah. against like the man-made, you know, conflict. But I hear what you're saying. I do think like potentially it was more of a problem in less recent war films because i think the temptation is like well my my film i want my film to do well and Mm. audiences are going to like it if it ends not on like the worst possible way (laughs) especially Um, in
1: like bush era america war films, yeah they needed a winner like those are films where it's like you need to there needs to be a decided winner people don't want to go theaters to think about like all the sad stuff that happens
0: you yeah. know, and Truffaut said this back in the 60s, and, and he said this specifically about Paz of Glory, Stanley Kubrick, who's yeah. you know, made a lot of... He, he's made his fair share of, like, uh, what he would consider anti-war movies. I mean, Full Metal Jacket isn't pro-war, I would say, in, like, most ways. But still, there's, like... I think there's an element of truth to what he's saying that still, like, holds up to this day, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's hard I to ignore, it's, right?
2: It's something to keep in mind if you're ever going to make a war movie. Like, you know... Am I doing this for the narrative? Am I doing this for like thematic purposes? Or am I doing this because I'm like shying away from the true horror of, of conflict and, and war? Um, but yeah, I do think it's become less of an issue in some of the more recent ones. And, and maybe that's just my like limited selection, very possible. But um, I definitely think like if Truf- Truffaut, uh, <laughs> however that's pronounced, um, if he were to potentially watch some of the later films, I wonder if he would say the same thing.
3: It feels like it's less of a anti war film than it is a anti Nazi film. Yeah. Than anything else. Oh I think about anti-Nazi. it's incredibly
0: like, anti Nazi. It's a really angry anti Nazi movie.
3: It feels like that's more of what what's being communicated, not trying to say so much about the war itself, whereas, mm. you know, it's like I mean, you probably know this, Nathan. The original title of the film Originally, they wanted to name this film "Kill Hitler."
0: Kill Hitler, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, fuck Hitler! For you know, it's but, like but yeah.
3: you see you see the entire ending sequence of the film, and you see like this sort of like reversal of of Hitler's life. You are just sort of eliminating uh, all this destruction that 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 he that he caused, mm-hmm. and it's sort of the it's 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 just following the, the climax of the film. And it's not, it doesn't have any of that glimmer of like hope. It's just more like, well, I mean, we can't really do anything about this, but we kind of, kind of, I guess, march on. And it's just, it's, it, I couldn't, I couldn't think of a more anti Nazi like statement than, you know, literally shooting like, th- you know, image. this, this, the image of Hitler, this is like Adolf, the like liberator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like re- like repeatedly. I mean, the editing of that sequence is just so compelling in that sense. Yeah. Well, it's yeah.
0: just like, it's crazy. So like prior to that moment, they, they kill, um, all of the like Nazi sympathizers. Um, some of them actually Nazis, some of them like former, um, soldiers that, mm-hmm. you know, betrayed them or wherever the case was. And there's like, absolutely like, you know, there's just nothing but hate in that whole sequence. There's nothing like, Oh, they, they got the re- uh, revenge they needed. You feel better about it. No, there's, they just fucking kill them. And I guess we're jumping to the montage sequence. Cause I wanted to talk about this because um I think a lot of movies, like it could be really hit or miss when they do a montage sequence at the end of a movie. I think sometimes it's like, I think it's necessary to like drive home a point. Sometimes mm-hmm. it can be a little bloated forever, or maybe a little too over the head. Um, but I, I think you're right about it, Brian. It's like you're, I mean, during this montage sequence, you see all these like real grand, these like grand reels of like Hitler and like the like Nazi regime. And then like there's a photo actually of Hitler and uh, his mother that was actually um, put together in editing. Uh, that was mm-hmm. like a post production. There's actually no photo of them together that I know of. And it's supposed to make you feel like, oh, there's an anti-Nazi sentiment to it. But I also think there is a nurture versus um, nature like type of thing, like evil, like, like, you know, would you go back in time and kill baby Hitler? And I think this movie just inherently just says, yeah, (laughs) like there's no Uh, fucking doubt about it.
2: Nathan, it's uh, funny because I had the exact same thought. I was like, so I guess we know how he would answer. Like, would you kill Baby Hitler? But, um, yeah, I mean, he does stop shooting right at the baby, unless maybe I'm hmm. misremembering. But no, he I didn't shoot that was, like that. Thought that was an interesting take because I do think it's very anti-Nazi, and I do like. I don't know. What do you guys? I don't even know if I have an opinion on what he's trying to say with that particular choice.
1: I have a whole spiel on the ending. I'll try to be as quick and summarize as best I can. Uh, But I also, in connection, I have to talk first about a song that's used throughout the movie. Uh, Well, um, uh, Mozart's Lacrimosa. Uh, It's played constantly throughout the film. And uh, the main message from Lacrimosa is a lot about, like, the end of the world. I think we talked about that earlier. But it's, uh, you know, sadness, sorrow. But it's also sinners being judged by God and I couldn't think of a better metaphor for this movie than judgment which I feel like is a big aspect Um, especially like when he looks up at the plane several times and it's like looking down at him and sometimes it's playing Hitler's like speeches it it's basically kind of just like Hitler looking down upon the people and judging whether they should live or not so when it comes to this ending I kind of get two things out of it. One, um, I get, like, this idea that this boy kind of is realizing that he and Hitler were at one point the same person, that they were both two innocent people to an extent, and the trajectory of their lives was kind of dictated by war and how it kind of defined them, uh, whether going through anger and hate or going through not anger and hate, you know, uh, tenacity and fighting or whatever. And I think this was just like a culmination of like his feelings towards Hitler and realizing that, you know, Hitler did create this, but something created Hitler. This is more than just what he can do on his own. Uh, And then the other thing I kind of took away from this in terms of like judgment Hitler is, like, shown as, like, this god figure. He's, like, they make, uh, like, statues of him. Uh, They, like, have portraits of him that say, like, liberator. Uh, He is, like, a god in this world. And what is the best way to destroy the image of somebody, this godly image of somebody, than to basically uh, humanize and judge them? look at them from, you know, a different perspective. And, you know, the more you humanize a person, the less, like, power they kind of have over you. And I think that was also just the another way of, like, deconstructing and, like, destroying Hitler is just realizing that he's a man, just like anyone else. And, uh, yeah, so it's like going back in time and shooting that figure and like shooting the image of him i think kind of like leads to this whole thing where he judges hitler and sees him as just uh, a guy and kind of goes at it from there that's kind of what i took from it
2: that's really cool i didn't know about the mozart song and i like really like that tie-in thanks for sharing
1: that uh i mean we all know lacrimosa we've all seen amadeus it's famously his last thing that he composed before he died
0: uh, I, I think this is a good point to maybe close up thoughts. Um, seems like everybody's a little bit happier now, which is good. Uh, what, I feel like a like weight the, has been lifted. <laughs> no, I, I I um I just wanted to first say like I commend you all for like watching this. It's not an easy watch. I think um uh, I think for a lot of people it it can be if you're not if you haven't been exposed to that kind of thing before. I mean we I think Jolene made a good point earlier about like being like sort of desensitized. Uh, to this like sore violence and cruel nature, just because of what we see and hear every day—not just like from movies and TV, but from like you can go on your phone and you could see dead people like across like the globe, like like videos like from other conflicts that are occurring. Um, Every
1: day is come and see day.
0: I kind of like to someone around the world. This is nothing new, you know, and I think. That that was kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to do this. I think you know, there's a lot of stuff like currently in the media about mm-hmm. the uh, Palestinian genocide that's occurring right now overseas. And I think you know, being in our little like corner of the world, I think we forget like the royalties of war and what you know, there, any civilian civilian casualties always like end up and just forgot forgotten forgotten to us, you know. Unfortunately, and I think sometimes you need to bring that home.
1: Yeah. And also, just think of the ones that don't get talked about, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Like uh, the Congo. Like, they're going through one right now, which is kind of like a forced labor, um, like, militias taking over and, like, forcing people to mine. And if they don't comply, then there's massive punishments of stuff I will not say. You know, it's not really the. Well, that's the thing is that
0: there's, like, there's any given moment in, like, the world, there's, like, three or four genocides occurring. Like, it's one of those, like, things. It's just, it's insane. And call it what you want. It's, like, people dying. I I don't know. Yeah. I think sometimes, like, movies like come and see are just so necessary that if I could, I'd show this to every high school senior class. I wouldn't be able to, but I would, like, if I could.
2: Well, it's, like, you know. We have to. We have to make a test. Sir,
1: what are you doing that? in here? <laughs> Let me play this movie. <laughs> Get out of here. This oh, is home no.
2: ec. <laughs> I felt the same way about Spanish *Grave of the Fireflies*. Class. Like really hard movie to watch, but it's so important that we memorialize like what happened, so mm. that we can't you know, sugarcoat it years and years later and say, Oh, it wasn't that bad. Right. Like it was that bad. And it's like, so, so important that we just never forget, frankly, like, I mean, I had the opportunity to visit Dachau once when I was in Europe and I will never forget that experience. It changed me as a person and it was just harrowing. It was horrible. I mean, but it's so important that we, remember that these things happen to people and that they're still happening and that we have to do better.
0: I think like people could sometimes become uncomfortable confronting that too. I remember shortly after Gray of the Fireflies, I watched it with a few friends, including Delaine at the time. Um, and a friend of mine, like afterwards, I think she had a hard time like having like justifying like that certain stuff. She was like, I mean, we were at war and I was like, yeah, and these are kids that are you know, suffering these consequences. I think she was having a hard time wrapping her head around, like, like, Man, um, you're straight up red-pilling a lot of people, Nathan. Like, you... Well, I mean, like, it's true. I mean, like, you know, it's, like, civilian casualties. Nobody wins, you know? It's, like, it's, Very it's a horrible thing. Um, yeah. No, I mean, go, go watch these movies. Brian?
3: It does feel like a lot of the most, like, the the true capital I important films are the ones that are Kind of the hardest to really like, yeah. See, like the kind of like just really like look at it's. It goes beyond entertainment. It goes beyond like pretension and uh, prestige. It's like whether you like it or not, like you know we're we're gonna use uh you know the the language of cinema to like show you like what one like what this was like, but also like you know what anytime you can be watching this film like if it if it's still hard to watch i mean it's it's saying something
1: yeah wow. i think i think what nathan said is like we're all kind of like we have this world that we've created for ourselves and where we kind of desensitize ourselves to certain like truths and so it's like when those things are shown to us we don't want to look cuz it takes us out of that world um but i think the best way to like accept that is to do just that kind of accept that this is the world you're in and that also helps like give you a better perspective of things you know not everything is a disney film sorry to say buddy so merry christmas and a Happy new year
2: (laughs) josh are you gonna watch schindler's list after this
1: you know i still have not watched schindler's list mainly because and i do you know we do flack on you nathan but i will say you know, I thank you for choosing this movie so that way I have the ability to watch it. You know, you pushed me to watch it, so now I've watched it. Because on my own free will, I never would have watched this movie.
2: Yeah, um, I have to agree. I was really kind of annoyed. I was like, man, this is gonna be horrible, but I'm glad I saw it. It's the, the, the cinema I, equi-
1: It's the cinema equivalent to eating my vegetables.
0: I would never yes. succumb if out of all my picks i've um that I've made, like I would never succumb you all to a horrible movie just for the sake of it being a horror horrible, horrible movie all right we're gonna like just put that in writing real quick <laughs> uh, we're oh, uh, by the way, yeah, in four months we're watching Campbell Holocaust, so get yeah, ready I'm what the,
1: what we will the hell is that? <laughs> we will oh, don't look it up uh, I will uh pull a Nathan and come to your house and murder you if you do that. <laughs> Um um hey yeah. uh,
0: uh, thumbs up like or uh thumbs up, thumbs down like it. um yeah, yeah I it, it's I I this a thumbs up. I yeah. feel weird giving it, it a thumbs you, up. It's but... your, your, your thumbs up. <laughs> you
3: want me to did you th- did you think there was a possibility we'd be like,
0: nah. No, I mean, yeah, if you didn't like the movie, <laughs> you can like see um... the message of the movie and think it like you, like understand sure, it but sure. think it's a bad movie it i oh, yeah. think it's a really well made movie even if you like the message aside i think it's super well made i think the actors are all super authentic i think the camera work is amazing mm-hmm. yeah. i think it's like a very beautiful movie it's it's paced super well weirdly enough for like yeah yeah you know for the length is, that it
2: yeah. is yeah yeah yeah
1: i mean thumbs up all the way uh
2: thumbs up but uh, i still with the asterisk that i do not condone animal cruelty for filmmaking.
1: Yeah, Thumbs up, it. but I will never watch this again. Yeah, <laughs> I
3: always honestly have this strange feeling that you know, if I live long enough, Nathan, don't say anything, that <laughs> I may end up watching this film maybe a second time sometime in my life. So it's just Sometimes like on I your deathbed, like I I can't think of. I hope not. I can't think of why, but I mean, I'm just I'm just kind of in the never say never mentality of like for this film, you know, like. You know, Requiem for a Dream, may not watch that again. But
1: like come and see, like oh maybe come and see that.
3: I anyway.
0: don't know. I, I I sent a video to you guys of Roger Deacons talking about this movie and he says he's he's watched this multiple times. Like so I mean yeah. like it's it's one of those things where like, you know, if you if you know, you know. Like I mean,
1: <laughs> he's the Deke yeah. for a reason. Uh I mean, you know, the possibility I would say, Brian, is you just become senile and forgot you watched it and then mm-hmm. be like, Oh, I haven't seen he this movie. yet. It oh god (laughs) oh no (laughs) oh no i'm coming down (laughs) i'm just glad i
3: didn't i'm just glad i didn't have like a groundhog day situation where i just repeated (laughs) yesterday for for time and time (laughs) again where
1: would would well i guess
3: i guess already watched it i would i would already have the memory of it but also i would always be like kind of Not like not dreading, but like just kind of preparing to do this show that I wouldn't end up doing for you know however long the curse uh, lasts. But I mean, I don't know. Eightieth time doing the podcast. (laughs) So on this podcast, I've I'm already I already think way too much about uh, what I will be wearing, uh, what I'm prepared to wear for eternity, and for if I'm in like a Groundhog Day situation. Like I really do think about these things, Nathan, and I think you are to blame.
0: <laughs> oh that's the greatest christmas gift of all brian yeah
3: <laughs> nathan's heart grew three sizes this
2: podcast <laughs> we brought all Nathan nathan's right. joy with our suffering okay
0: so with that in the books now with come and see the christmas 2023 episode we have Josh picking our January episode, the new year of 2024.
2: I, I just realized this is our—we've officially done nope. one year of this podcast. Nope. No, nope.
0: February, I think March.
2: Okay, oh well, March. You can edit okay. that out.
0: Yeah, no, keep uh, that in. I
1: uh, sorry. Uh, this is why you didn't uh, do well in history, Delaine. If we yeah. keep, if
3: if if we're if we kept my bowling bit in the podcast, you know that we're
1: gonna keep that part.
2: Please, please don't. <laughs> I don't know what time is. Um, I'm just very confused all the time, and I just hope <laughs> for the best.
1: Hey, you're also going through Groundhog Day. I'm just kidding. What? Uh,
2: <laughs>
1: I also don't know what day it is. Uh, Sorry, I Okay. Got to go ahead. Well, thank you, Nathan, for making this a very a uh, lot of pressure on this pick. Uh, we're all uh, kind of going through a lot, and we need something to liven up our spirits. Uh, so. Oh, No, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to pull an eighth and, like, I legit want to do, like, a movie that you guys are all interested in. I looked on Letterboxd, and I don't know, I think one of you watched it, but I don't know. I feel like maybe a long time ago you guys watched this movie. But we're still going to be in the 80s. It'll be 1984, and we're going to pick The NeverEnding Story.
0: Ooh,
2: I have never seen this. I'm excited. Gosh, that
0: also has, like, a (laughs) soul-crushing, like, aspect. No spoilers. Okay. Scared the shit out
3: of me as a kid,
0: <laughs>
2: but
3: I grew up and I. Are you ready to confront
2: it's... your childhood fears, Brian? We'll,
1: we will talk about it.
2: Ooh. I mean, we'll you, it.
1: you face come and see you've reached the depths that the farthest deep you can go. I feel like anything else is tame compared to that. But yeah, I mean, one, it's a it's a fun movie. It's very well made. Honestly kind of one of a kind, be quite honest with you guys. But uh didn't they make again, more? <laughs> one of a kind, but uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, felt like you guys needed a break and uh here I am to bestow that on you. So next month, January, beginning of the new year, the never-ending story.
2: Where can we watch it, Josh?
1: Uh you can watch it on Max. What? Also you can also uh, get the Blu ray if you really want to, uh, or figure it out. You're an adult. I'm just kidding. Physical uh, forever. Physical forever. Nolan said uh, recently, like, buy this on physical. Because, uh, you know, he's like, do it before streaming takes it away. And I'm like, dude. You
3: you know, one, yeah, one thing he didn't say was watch it on max. <laughs> well, I was about
0: to say, do you want funny thing about the whole max thing is um they just took off like dexter's laboratory and foster's home for imaginary friends they took off foster's so oh. they did yeah man that's a I... whole nother like discussion how like max went from the, probably the best streaming the worst like, setup, to the worst and we can year. talk honestly honestly don't get me started on warner brothers Uh. (laughs) (laughs) And that's gonna wrap things up for our christmas episode of the all bad takes podcast thank you all my co-hosts for indulging with me in my uh glorious and uplifting pick come and see uh tune in next month of january 2024 a new year for the never-ending story josh's pick that should oh, yeah. be a very uplifting movie. There's nothing absolutely
1: in bad, comparison.
2: But... In comparison.
0: Burr, you man. know,
1: Never Ending Story
0: would also be a good title for Groundhog Day.
2: Get this man to Warner Brothers. All
0: right, that's the end. People, see you next time. Uh, Merry Christmas.
2: We're free.
3: Top <laughs> 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 <Zombie> is the free. <laughs> <laughs>